text today is in Acts chapter number 3 and 4 and 5 as we cover the topics that are ahead of us. We'll be looking at that as we've discussed the beginning of the church as it started in the book of Acts. We add now to what happens next. The Bible speaks of looking in a mirror quite often. And when we look in a mirror, well, who do we see? Well, you say that's obvious. Mirrors are made so we could look at ourselves. After all, uh, we would have no idea what we look like if it wasn't for a mirror, would we? Sometimes you look in there and you're shocked a little bit, but that's you. You can't see your eyes. You can't see your head. your mouth, you can't see that without a mirror. And if you have a long nose, you might be able to see the end of it, but not the whole thing. So we have mirrors to see what we look like. But did you ever see someone else when you looked in a mirror? About 35 years ago, when my hair was still red, I was doing this Christmas skit. I was playing a part of one of the shepherds, and I decided to put some white hair dye on. And so I play the part of an old shepherd. I brushed the white dye into my hair. When I looked in the mirror, I was shocked. I saw my grandfather looking back at me. I never realized I resembled my grandfather until that very moment when I saw myself with snow white hair. (laughs) And I have had other such experiences too, I didn't notice that this uh, turkey neck skin was de- <laughs> developing on me. And one day I looked in the mirror and said, Hey, oh, I look more like my father than I used to. My family told me a while ago I was looking more like my brother just lately. I said, Yeah, I saw him in the mirror the other day too. <laughs> so there's another use for a mirror. It can tell us who we resemble and who we look like. In our text today, it will become evident that there is a strong resemblance and that who we resemble can be a very important thing. Over the past few weeks, we've been studying the church and its exciting beginning. And in one day, the first day of Pentecost, the church grew from 120 to 3,120. And it would grow very soon into 5,000 new converts. Now the Feast of Pentecost, which was a week-long celebration, had brought many people all over the world to celebrate in Jerusalem. But these new church converts didn't want to leave when Pentecost was over, so they stayed and shared their money and their food with all. And of course, a group of 5,000 needs a place to hold services. That's a big crowd. And in the temple, there were 27 acres all walled in. Most of it was open courtyard. And one of the places out in that open courtyard was called Solomon's Porch. And so the early church was holding services in Solomon's Porch, 5,000 strong. Now during Pentecost, the whole temple would be full of people. But when Pentecost ended and most of the people went home, it was much more obvious now that the temple was being used for something other than regular temple worship. But the meetings were peaceful, so the Jewish leaders allowed it. But then one day, a spontaneous event changed all that. 
Let's see what the triggering event was and how the Jewish leaders responded. Acts chapter 3 at verse 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, ask an alms, or he's asking for money. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such I have I give unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping, stood up and walked and entered with him into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch which is called Solomon's greatly wondering. Peter, in Jesus' name, heals a man who was never able to walk, And the man is so happy, he's leaping. He's jumping all over the temple, and he's shouting, Hallelujah, Hallel, or praise, Nuya, to Jehovah. Praise to Jehovah. He's been a beggar for years, sitting at the gate, so everybody knows who he is. And now he's jumping up and down, hanging on to Peter and John, shouting praises and walking. And a large crowd gathers, Peter preaches another great sermon. And in his sermon, he always says, he says, Jesus was crucified by the Jews, but God resurrected him. So the whole event created this big stir. And the chief priests decide this has gone far enough. Acts chapter 4, at the first verse. And as they spake to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They laid hands on them, put them in hold into the next day, for it was now eventide. So Peter and John are arrested in the temple, put in prison to sit there overnight. It was their first night in prison. It wouldn't be their last one. In the morning, the Jewish leaders take action. Verse 5. It came to pass on the morrow that the rulers, the elders, and the scribes, and Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John and Alexander, and as many were of the kindred of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. So now uh, these names are familiar. You've heard Annas before. You've heard Caiaphas. They were the two main men behind the plot to crucify Jesus. And now they've got Peter and John in prison. Verse 7. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this thing? So here's a familiar situation now. About two months before this, the same men had gathered together in special session and in the wee hours of the morning. That was two months before 
And the prisoner at the bar that time was Jesus of Nazareth. Two months before, Peter and John were there in the courtyard as Jesus was questioned by the Jewish leaders. And that night would be forever burned into the memories of Peter and John. That fateful night, Peter was called out by a servant girl. And she said, you are one of Jesus' followers. I saw you with him. And Peter, cursing and swearing, said, I don't even know Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied he even knew Jesus three times. Taken down by a servant's girl accusation. Now, Peter stands before the same people who crucified Jesus. The last time he failed miserably and denied Jesus. What will he do? I'm sure as he stands before this group of men, he recalls the events two months before when Jesus was on trial and he denied him. These are powerful, vicious men. What will Peter do? Will he fail? Like last time. Verse number 7. When they asked him in the midst, they asked, by what power or what name have you done this? They asked a question. Supposing that Peter will try to skirt around the issue and give an answer that will show that he's a little afraid. But not so. Verse number 8. Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people, elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you all. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Peter said, we did a good deed. (laughs) The lame man is walking. He's leaping, jumping up and down, praising God. And we did it in Jesus' name. And you remember Jesus? Remember him? You crucified him. But God raised him from the dead. You rejected him. But his name is the only name whereby we can be forgiven from our sins and be saved. There's a bold statement. Now verse 13. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Peter's truthful and honest answer reminds them of the meaning that they had two months earlier. Jesus had answered them a question that they asked. They asked him, are you the son of God? And in a plain, honest, truthful answer, Jesus said, I am the son of God. You will see me someday sitting at the right hand of power and I'm coming in the clouds. It was almost defiant. 
And it was said in a calm assurance. And when Peter fearlessly answered these Jewish leaders, he did it with the same calm assurance. The Jewish leaders said, you can tell these men have been with Jesus. Their demeanor and their behavior resemble Jesus. They are ignorant men, uneducated men. We didn't expect them to answer a question. We thought they'd cower and not know what to say, but they speak with confidence. And notice this, verse 14, Beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against it. The beggar who used to sit by the gate and hasn't stood up for 40 years is right there standing up next to Peter and John. Well, what are they going to do? Verse 15, They commanded them to go outside of the council. They conferred among themselves saying, what should we do to these men? For indeed a notable miracle has been done by them, is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them, that they speak henceforth no to no man to this name. So they called them, commanded them not to speak or at all, or teach in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken to you more than to God, you judge thee, for we cannot but speak the things we have seen and heard. And when they further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way how they might punish them because of the people. Now that, my friends, is what Jesus meant when he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. These were vicious men. These were cruel men who had crucified Jesus. They couldn't do anything to stop this new church other than threaten them. No more of this preaching in Jesus' name. But the main point was these men, Peter and John, they've been with Jesus and they have a striking resemblance to Jesus. The same calm behavior, same clear statement of truth, the same kindness for those who are in need. You see, my friends, the real question that comes to mind is this. Would people say that about us? Would people say, you can tell those people that they've been with Jesus. Do we bear any resemblance to Jesus? Is it clear to others that our demeanor and our behavior is changed by constant contact with Jesus? Now you may say to me, well, Eric, Peter and John spent three and a half years walking and talking with Jesus. I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. <laughs> oh, yes, you can. We sing the old song. We sang one today like it. It says he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. 
And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. You can talk to Jesus anytime, anywhere. You can have conversation with him. You say, but he doesn't answer me. I can't hear his voice. I want you to listen to what the Bible says about that. I'm in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 18. Listen to this. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. He says, we look at God, we talk to Him, He said, we stare at it like a face in a mirror. And as we look intently, we are changed into his image, or we begin to resemble him the more closely we follow him. And the more we resemble him until we look in the mirror, and there he is. He's there. The power of Peter and John was found in their resemblance to Jesus. How often do you pray to him? How often do you go to him for advice? How often do you thank him for what he's done for you? How often do you ask him to help you understand the Bible? How often do you ask him to help someone else? And add to that prayer, and if God, if there's something I can do to help. The more we pray, the more we change, the more we resemble Jesus. And you say, well, I work hard to fix my problems, and I try to control my habits. I try to change my lifestyle. It might be more productive to have close contact with Jesus on a regular basis until he becomes your best friend. Like Peter's conversation with Jesus after the resurrection. Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Peter said, you know I love you. You know I love you. Now Peter stands in God's power, filled with the Spirit, healing the layman and telling the leaders, I did it in Jesus' name. Well, after that event, people began to bring all their relatives to Jerusalem. (laughs) In Acts chapter 5, we get a wonderful explanation of what they were doing. Acts chapter 5, verse 15. Insomuch they brought forth the sick into the streets, laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about Jerusalem, bringing sick folks, and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed, every one. And the high priest rose up, and all they that were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, were filled with indignation. And they laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. Now all eleven apostles are in prison. Now what? That's easy. Watch this. 19. When the angel of the Lord came at night, opened the prison doors, brought them forth, and said, Go stand, speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. (laughs) The guards are all still guarding. The doors are all still locked. And they go in the morning. 
Verse 22, when the officers came, they found them not in the prison. They returned and said, saying, the prison truly we found shut with all safety and the keepers standing without before the doors. But when we had opened, we found no man within. The angel came in the night and shut the eyes of all the keepers, opened all the doors, took all the apostles right out and let the door be locked again. And then he said, you make sure tomorrow morning you're in the temple in Solomon's court preaching again. So they send, bring those guys up, open the door, they're gone. Where do they go? Where do they go? Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. And somebody says, well, those men you put in prison yesterday, they're down there preaching again. Last night we had them in prison. Now they're down in Solomon's porch. So the Jewish leader said, go get them. Bring them back here peacefully. (laughs) And bring them back to us. Verse 28. They said, did not we straightly command you? You should not teach in this name. Behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. And Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than man. Peter said, given the choice, we will obey God and not you. I love it. I think it's wonderful. (laughs) The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. They couldn't stop it. Angels come and open prison doors. And uh, do they run and hide? No, they go right back in and preach again. And through the ages, the church, like a hardened anvil, has worn out a lot of hammers. They tried to stop Martin Luther, and he started a whole reformation. The gates of hell did not prevail against him. The English tried to stop the pilgrims. They came to America and started a revival. The gates of hell did not prevail. The Chinese communists has tried to stop the church. And the services in China went like this. One by one, the Chinese people came to a house, came in one by one, held a service until an elder stood up and said, it's time to go. And one by one, those Christians went home. And when the authorities arrived, everybody's gone. And they did it over and over again gates of hell couldn't prevail. In Russia, the story told of two armed guards who burst into a church service and said, if any of you don't believe, you can go before we take care of business. And some of them got up and left. And the two armed guards said, now that the spies are gone, let's have a service. (laughs) The gates of hell not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Those Jewish leaders who crucified Jesus seemed to be able to ignore many things. They ignored Jesus' miracles. 
They ignored the earthquake when Jesus died. They ignored the veil of the temple when it was torn in half the very moment Jesus died. They ignored the resurrection of Jesus and paid the soldiers to tell lies that the disciples had stole his body. But when Peter and John stood in front of them with the lame man who was healed, Peter said, we did it in Jesus' name. And that's the only name that can save your soul. They just couldn't ignore it. They thought they got rid of Jesus when they crucified him, but now his followers were acting just like him. And now instead of one man, there's thousands who believe in Jesus and carry a resemblance of Jesus, and they are powerless to stop it. So my friends, here we are in America, and we're blessed. We can meet freely We can gather in his name. But we will need to make it clear to others that we have been with Jesus. So when you look in the mirror, what do you see? I hope you're good friends with Jesus. I pray you spend time with him whenever you can. And keep focused on Jesus until you resemble him in your actions and your words. And I pray you see Jesus in the mirror looking back at you so that we can convince the worst skeptics that we have been with Jesus. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words and the power behind the church. We're grateful that we can trust it today and know that it's so. We ask that you will help us to focus on you, to talk to you, and to learn your ways, and to understand who you are until it rubs off on us and we begin to act like you do. Give us confidence and boldness and the ability to stand up and do what's right, that we might shadow and carry the resemblance of Jesus Christ in our life. Help us to do that, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. In closing, I'd like you to turn over with me, if you will, hymn number 209, the song about being close to Jesus. Hymn 209, standing as we sing, sweet hour of prayer. Standing as we sing, 209, sweet hour of prayer. <coughs> Page 209. Sweet hour of prayer, sweet hour of prayer, and 
Lord, we pray that you would teach us, teach us to pray as we ought to, help our hearts to come to you over and over and over again, to be with you, show us the way and the things we ought to do and say, help us to have that habit and continually work at it that we may seek your face and that with being with you, we will take the personality of Jesus Christ and make that a part of who we are, that you will rub off on us and that you will change us by just being with you. We just pray that others would know that these people in this church have been with Jesus. We pray that you would teach us what we ought to do, help us to learn and to love others as we ought to. And we pray that as we go through trials and hardships and things in this world, that you would help us to stand even more firm and know that you have all things under control. Help us to leave these things to you and just go out, preach the gospel, tell others about you all the way to the very day when someday we are called home or you come. We are thankful for these things. We ask for your protection and guidance throughout this weekend and this coming week. Bring us back to this place with a heart of worship. In your name.